on the difference between things. Here's the delegates. Last week, I had trouble climbing those steps. I had a sore throat. This week, I can make it all right. God is blessed. We're so thankful. I know you when you thought when I came up here with this Sunday school group that I'm going to teach the Sunday school lesson. Uh, that would probably be good for those of you who missed the Sunday school lesson this morning because it was really good. But as I studied the Sunday school lesson, I recognized that there were certain things that said in here that really fit with the message that God had given me. Those of you who were with us a few weeks ago on Wednesday nights when I was preaching out of the book of Jude know that uh, I began preaching one week and I preached Jude verse 1. And then the next week I preached Jude verse 2. And then we hired a youth director and Mike came back before I got to Jude verse 3. So we're going to do Jude verse 3 today. And uh, I, I believe that it is a, a great uh, word of God that God speaks to us and helps us to realize who we are as the children of God. And it realizes what he says to us out of his holy word. In Jude verse 3, here's what he says. He said, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. Would you pray with me? Lord, we lay ourselves before you in this very moment of time. And Lord, we give ourselves to you. And we ask your Heavenly Father that you take ourselves as gifts unto you. And Lord, we pray that you will speak to our hearts in your very special way through your word. And God, that your Holy Spirit will be active in helping us to see, to understand, and recognize this word is truth. This word is always truth. To recognize, dear Heavenly Father, that you give this to us. That our lives may be radically changed by that which you speak as we believe it, as we trust it, and as we trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior. God, we know that change will come in our lives. And Father, we pray for every person that's gathered here, especially those who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I pray this may be the day. God, when your word sinks into their heart, takes roots, that your truth is, is literally given unto them in such a way that they are convinced of its truth and know what they must do in order to receive this word unto themselves and to know what it's like to be free from the bondage of sin. So take us, Lord, and use us for your honor and for your glory in the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. I call this Defend the Truth. Jude began this letter with one thought in mind, the thought of writing to those that were beloved. And if you think about that, when he thinks about those that are beloved, he is talking about the fact that, number one, these people that he's writing to are beloved by him. But he goes even deeper than that. They are beloved by the Lord Jesus who loved them and gave himself for them. So when he talks about this beloved, we recognize that he is writing to all of these and we recognize that when he talks about the common salvation, it is not in the sense of cheap, as sometimes common things are cheaper, but it is in the sense that all of this is given or extended to every person in the world and is not leaving anybody out. He is also talking about the fact that there's no variance in 
in the way that people gain this thing called salvation. Now, you may have been saved or, or come to faith in Jesus in different places. Uh, you may have come to faith in Jesus in your home. You may have come to faith in Jesus at an altar here in the church. You may have come to faith in Jesus in a Sunday school class where you were being taught the Word of God. There's a lot of places you can come to faith. I know of one person who was saved by grace through faith when uh, they were driving an 18-wheeler down the road. They had heard the Word of God on Sunday. They had to leave on Monday. They called Monday night and went back to our, our home church in the me and said, Guess what? Say, I gave my heart to the Lord driving down the road today, and I got saved. I had another person in the same church who was in the church on Sunday, and he was going somewhere on Monday on his motorcycle. And he said, while I was driving down the motorcycle, God convicted me of what had been spoken to me about Jesus. And he said, while I was driving that motorcycle, so I gave my life to the Lord. Now, both of them said I didn't close my eyes, okay? But they were driving, and, and this, this was kind of an unusual circumstance. I've never even heard of that. But I know people saved, are saved in a lot of different places, but they're all saved by grace through faith in the risen Lord Jesus. And so we know that there's no variance in those things. So we know that when we look at this, and, and Jude begins to write, he built a tremendous spiritual leadership. Uh, but in, instead of writing about the common salvation, to write about another matter, did you notice he said, it was needful for me. It was needful for me, he said, to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. So it seemed he had one thing in mind, but God changed his mind. Has God ever changed your mind? You have one thing in mind and God changes your mind? Oh, you know, I, I had one thing in mind when I came out of high school was to get me a job and to go out and do the things that I wanted to do. And God changed my mind. He changed my mind because he changed everything about what I was going to do in life. I wasn't going just to work a daily job, even though I've had to do that a lot of different times. He called me to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I surrendered to that, boy, I did not know what was coming. I had absolutely no idea what God was going to do, where he was going to send me, or anything. I went to various places. I've served in places I never thought I would. Uh, recognize God causes us to change our mind. I can remember a time or two when I had a sermon all prepared, I was ready to preach, and when I got up and stood here, God changed my mind. He said, I don't want you to preach that. Here's what I want you to preach. And here's what I believe. I believe because God knows every person that's going to gather in the house of the Lord at any given time, he is going to send a message for the group that's here. He don't send it for the group that didn't come. And so I don't, I, mean, I don't care how many times you say, boy, I wish so-and-so were here. No, everybody's here. And God knew was going to be here. And he sends the message just that way. That's what he was doing with Jude. It was needful. He said, I had to do this. It was something God impressed upon my heart and upon my mind, an urgent message to defend the faith, or as B. B. Allison Gray puts it in his book on Jude, to defend the truth. And truth, meaning the whole body of God's Word, has once delivered to the saints. Once delivered. You don't deliver it again. He's given it. He's preserved it. He has allowed us to have it today. He's presented the Word just like He wants it. He's not going to change it. And it's not going to change because people change their minds about things by the methods and the way the world is going. 
The word of God is going to stay the same as he puts it. It is settled forever in heaven. It is not going to change. Why does he not have to change it? With all the methods and all the changes. Because he knew the beginning and the end. And he knew everything in between. He knew how we would be living in this day. He knew what we were going through on this day. And he made this a living word that is for all living people in the time they'll live upon this earth. God sent this word. Jews said it was once delivered, and we're to earnestly contend for the faith. And what he means by that, he was we agonize with it. I mean, we really agonize in defense of this, and how do we do it? And I'm going to be looking at four ways that we can do that in defense of the faith. We, as children of God, are called upon by the word of God that we might defend the faith, defend the truth of the word of God. How do we do it? We defend the truth of God by knowing it. By knowing the Word of God. We must know the Word of God. And we must know the Word of God well. How are we going to know the Word of God well? When we look at the Word of God, we recognize that He has told us that we need to know this Word of God so that and know it well enough that the world can't fool us. The world is always throwing the false Word of God in our face. The world is always under the influence of Satan trying to lead us astray by speaking to us things that seem like they're good and seem like it ought to be the Word of God and it may be very near to the Word of God but something is twisted in there. And we need to know the Word of God well enough that when someone speaks to us the Word of God that has been twisted or watered down that we immediately recognize something is not right. And something is not right in what has just been said. So we defend this by knowing that the Word of God, and knowing it well enough so that we can't be fooled, and by knowing it is without error. What God has said is absolute truth. There's no error in God's Word. When God speaks to us, He means exactly what He says. Now, sometimes when people speak to us, we may question and say, what did you mean by that? Well, and when we question this, when God says, what do you mean by that? God will allow His Holy Spirit to lead us in a study of God's Word so that we know what He means by what He just said to us. We don't have to be confused about it at all as the children of God because God's Holy Spirit is in us. We must know this. Now, there's three things we must know about this being without error, that this Word of God is three things. It's truth, it's truth, and it's truth. That's simple enough. It's just absolute truth. Now, we always want people to tell us the truth. We're asking them a question. We want them to, to answer the great truth. Do we not? Well, you know what? When God speaks to us, He always speaks to us in this truth. He never lies to us. He will speak to us. He will explain it in the Word of God. And it requires something from us. We know this because we have faithfully studied the Word of God. We, we're all familiar with 2 Timothy 2.15 that tells us to study, uh, 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 study the Word of God. And that we might prove this before the Lord. Live it out before the Lord. Study to show ourselves approved unto God. That we might rightly divide this Word of God. Because we can make this word of God say some things that it doesn't really say because we take the word out of the context that it was spoken in. Or we'll take one book out of the context of other books that it might be spoken in. Or we'll take it completely out of the text of the context of the Bible. And people do that because they were speaking this in the day 
that, that uh, Paul was writing, or Jesus was writing this unto these people, and they were literally destroying the Word of God by speaking untruth and changing the Word of God and adding to the Word of God and taking away from the Word of God. As we studied our Sunday school lesson this morning, and we were looking at the Word of God uh, in that Sunday school lesson today, there was something that was said there about our studies, and our study needs to be methodical. We need to make sure that, that we study the Word of God in a methodical way, and, and it has to be a regular study of God's Word, and what it does, it trains us to identify, it trains us to be able to discern when something is spoken that is not true, and, and it helps us to discard the false teachings as we encounter them. Because of who? It's almost like to me when someone speaks something that I know is not the truth. Because I've studied the Word of God and they say something. It's almost like a little red flag pops up in my mind. You know what I'm talking about when I say that? There is something disturbing about what they have just said. And I believe with all my heart it's God's Holy Spirit. In my, in my mind, saying right away, that is not truth, and you need to speak out against that, and you need to clarify what the Word of God really says about that. Now, when you do it in a loving way, you don't jump down your throat, but you try in a very loving way to share the word of truth with them and help them to understand what they need to know about the word of God. So we, we defend the truth by knowing it. We study it prayerfully. Prayerfully. How many of us, when we, we turn to the word of God, we ask God, God, open my eyes that I might see. Open my mind that I might understand. Open my heart that I might fully receive what you have to say. And just prepare me that I may take in what you have to say and prepare me to respond to it in a positive way by believing it and by trusting it and by doing it. And until we learn to do what God says, we haven't really learned God's Word. Only when we learn to do. And we can recognize that by several things that happen in our lives. I like going to the new job and trying to learn it, but we might be able to observe it, but until we can actually do it, we have to learn with God. Yet. And we might be going down to Jimmy Hughes and say, Jimmy, I'm going to fly out the ground for you over here. Well, I don't really know how, but you show me now, I'll just call him there and do it. You know what? I tried that one time with a view, it didn't work. I could watch my daddy plow, he could plow straight road just like you've never seen. I get my dad plow and go this way and go this way and go to play land. She stood up and left at me. I didn't try it again. I said, I'm just not doing that anymore. So we have to learn to do I know it. We defend the truth by supporting it. How do you support the truth? Well, one way you do that is you recognize that truth is spoken by the Lord in the church. And we support it by supporting the church. Hebrews 10 25, he said that we're not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but we are to be filled with the Spirit. We're to come together and be filled with the Spirit of God. Now, if I don't open myself to the Lord and I don't make myself available for the, for the Lord to fill me, then guess what? I'm not going to be filled. If I close my ears to hearing of the truth, then I'm not going to be filled with the Spirit of God. But we are to come together, and when we come together, we're declaring to the world, we have come to worship the Lord our God. We're declaring to the world that we believe that God is worth our worship, that he is worthy of everything that you and I are able to give unto him as far as praise and honor and glory. 
We can worship in singing, we can worship in praying, we can worship in listening, and we worship when we respond to the invitation that God gives us when His Word is spoken to our lives. He always is calling for a response to the truth that He shares with us. So we look at this and we recognize that He wants us to know these things, He wants us to support it, He wants us to know what the truth is so that when the world throws things our way, we won't be moved aside from what we believe. I've heard my wife say a long time, she said, I've been in church long enough that I'm not going to be moved with everything that somebody brings down the pike that they say, oh, this is a new way of doing it, this is a new way of believing. She said, I'm not being moved by the fact that I'm saved by the grace of God. I'm saved by belief upon the risen Lord Jesus Christ. She said, I know where I stand. And, he's, and, and she is saying, I'm rooted and I'm grounded in the truth and I'm not going to be moved by everything that comes down the pipe. No way. I'm just not going to do it. We defend the truth by supporting it. It requires prayer, self-sacrifice. It requires time, talent, and treasure. Because we're vessels set apart for the glory of God. That's who we are as the children of God. Vessels set aside that we might be a blessing to the world. And it takes all of these things. It requires that time of prayer. Yes, it takes time. It takes sacrifice for that. It takes sacrifice uh, in spending our time and the talents that we have that we give to the Lord. Uh, that's such a blessing. As we listen to the choir this morning, as we listen to David, I was singing that special a little while ago. You know, they give their time. It's not that they just stand up there. They give hour after hour after hour of the practice. And, and those of you who are singing and those of you who have sang in the choir, Know that that is true when everybody else is going home eating supper or whatever. They're practicing that they might be able to sing the glory of, to the glory of the Lord. And so it takes that time of sacrifice in giving up their talents, but their treasures. The Word of God speaks about us giving our treasures. He speaks to us about the fact that we are to, to give our tithe unto the Lord. Some people say, well, what is the tithe? Tithe is an old testament. Thing goes, it's a New Testament thing. If you want to get right down to it, in the New Testament, God says we're to give it all. We give it all. I first we give ourselves. We give ourselves unto the Lord that He might use us to His honor and to His glory. We give our tithes ten percent of what God has blessed us with. I've heard it said from this pulpit, uh, "What kind of blessings do you want?" Because people say, "Well, do I tithe on the net or do I tithe on the gross?" What kind of blessings do you want? Do you want uh, the blessings from the debt, the blessings from the gross, which is more? I would rather have the blessings from the more and recognize that I give back to the Lord only what He has given, a portion of what He's given to me, and He allows me to use the other that we might still glorify the Lord by who we are and how we live. We're able to do those kind of things. We support this truth by dispelling error, by confronting it, by uh, confronting false teachers and, and the world of pleasures and the evil influence that we might be consecrated unto the Lord. Because He is God. And Jesus gave everything to us instead of a Sunday school class. He went to the wall for us, like literally as far as He could go. He hung on the cross for you and I. He knew it was going to be painful, but He volunteered to do it. He knew every ounce of His blood was going to flow out, but He still volunteered to do it. 
they needed him. They knew he was going to die. But he still volunteered to do it. That's how he went to the wall for you and I. Thanks for playing this morning. Oh, yeah. No better. No better. Get right out of that teaching Sunday school. So we have all of those things that are out there. And we recognize that we support the truth of the Word of God by doing all these things. And that's not all but not the ways we do. We recognize that we defend the truth by sharing it. God did not give us an understanding of the truth or the truth through Jesus into our life so that we might hoard it within ourselves. He never said we're to store it up within ourselves. He gave us this understanding and the Word of God with this understanding and with this declaration that we are to share it with others. If I have an understanding of the Word of God, I can teach someone else that understanding of the Word of God. We have to be able to share what God has put in us. That's why He put it there. So that we might be able to lead a brother, lead a sister, lead an uncle, lead a father, lead a child, lead a co-worker to the Lord Jesus Christ by sharing the message of salvation through Jesus. God always has put that within our heart. And here's the thing. He said, this is the only way that we're saved, and that's what Jesus said, by grace through faith. And he says, there is no other way we might be saved. We will never do it by trying to be good enough. We could never live all of the Ten Commandments. Only person who ever was good enough and had lived it all righteously was Jesus Christ himself. Everybody else failed miserably. And I know there's some good people out here. I know that you do some good things. You may be well thought of in your community and your family. Maybe a good person that we would enjoy hanging out with. But listen, that's not the point. The point is, unless that person knows Jesus Christ and Christian faith, that person is separated from God. He's in a condition that's called lost. He is on his road on the road to hell. When I learned that, I shared that this morning in Sunday, that's when that hit me at 10 years old where I really was. And all that things that I thought I knew, when God convicted me and, and let me see myself as he saw me as lost, as separated from God and on my way to hell, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It hit me with a force to almost knock me off my feet. Just like you go, that's me. That's me, and that's where the understanding came that the week that I got saved, when I began to see who I really was. I needed Jesus. We defend the truth by sharing it. Why do we share it? Because people need to hear it. When they hear the Word of God, the Word of God is the power of salvation. It is the actual power of God to change somebody's life. And you go talk to any Christian, one who really knows the Lord, one who is genuinely saved by grace, they can share with you the changes that have come in their life since they became a child of God. Changes in our destination, because now we're destined for heaven. Changes in the way we go about living our life, because we're on a completely different road. And you don't drive one road like you drive another. You get on the interstate out here, you drive one way, but when you get on a narrow road, you drive a different way. We're on a different road when we come to know the Lord Jesus. We're on a narrow road. It is a straight way, he said, and we're careful. You know, we're trying to keep it between the ditches, as we used to say. You know, just keep it in, in between the ditches. You heard that, in God. Just keep it between the ditches. Something might have trouble doing that. Uh, physically and spiritually. I have trouble doing it. Doesn't mean we won't ever have any trouble doing it. 
I'm not talking about that. We're going to have trouble. Trouble's going to come. But the difference is, when trouble's come, this time Jesus is with us. When trouble's come, this time I've got somebody holding my hand. When trouble comes this time, I've got somebody that knows the way. I don't have to figure it out as I'm going. All i got to do is follow Jesus. Because he's been this way before. He knows the way. And he's the light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. And we know that we can see the path and walk the path. And he's always holding my hand. I'm not holding his. He's holding mine. Now, you know how important the difference is? <coughs> If you watch somebody walking down a old rocky path, um, one might be holding my hand, the other's kind of holding on. I, I've seen them hold on to daddy's finger right like this because their hands are so small. But if they trip, what happens first? Your hand up and drop. How many people have tripped and fallen and dropped one in the hand? And you'll turn away. When trouble comes, when Jesus is holding your hand, he said, you're in my hand, and I'm in the hand of the Father, nobody can look inside his hand. We are safe. We are protected. He's always with us, holding on to our hand. We need to share. The preacher who shares the word of God in preaching in agoni is agonizing in defense of the word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, here is the admonition that Paul gave Timothy. <coughs> I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick <coughs> and the dead. Yeah. So that's something that changes as you get over too. You can't do that when you're younger. As you get over here. He shall judge the quick of the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Preacher, preach the word. Preach it every time. In season, out of season, when they want to hear it, when they don't want to hear it. When they really need to hear it, it's when they don't want to hear it. Preach the word of God. That is the admonition because in preaching the word of God, you are preaching the truth of God. Rightly dividing it, preaching it as it ought to be preached under the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. The deacon who stands with the, the preacher is agonizing in defense. We are supporting the truth. We are standing beside. We are, we are holding hands. We are enfolding arms. We are united in front. The word of God is truth. It must be spoken. The word of God needs to be spoken because people need to hear it. They may believe it. When he teaches the word of God, he is agonizing in defending the truth. Does it without watering it down, does it without doing anything that would weaken it. 
And we have to do that and say we defend the truth by living it. You know, that's the great thing in it. It's show and take. The living of the Word of God. We see people that we admire. We look at people that we admire. We know people that we admire. We admire them for the way they live their life. We admire them perhaps for the way they speak. We admire them for different reasons. Those who may think about these spiritual giants and force. We want to look first and how they live up. We want to know that they're living what they're talking about. I want to know what that person says is what you're going to do. Well, it's that way you look at it. I want to know. Because you know what? They're going to live what they really believe. And if they're not living it, they can talk all they want to. Guess what? You're not going to listen. You're not going to be influenced by Well, when you see a person dead the Word of God, when you see them believing out and loving one another and God tells us to, when you see them being long-suffering, when wrongs come, they live in the Word of God. When you see them day by day and they're constantly walking in the light of the Word of God, there's something about that life because they will walk through troubles right before you. They're going to have their own pitfalls that they have to avoid. They have to get around. Every person is going to have them. And you'll look at, look at the situation and you watch people be destroyed by that same situation that this person walks upright, continues to trust in the Lord, continues to believe that God is good, continues to believe that, that God loves them, continues to believe that God's got these, no matter what it is. And they walk that way. You look at them and say, oh, I want to know what they got that I don't have. All those things that have washed me off the road that have come along are like a flood and I couldn't stand. I want to know what that person's got that I don't have. And that is the very opportunity that they have to share the message of salvation that they got Jesus. That's who they need. We live the gospel of the Word of God. When we look in the Word of God and we we see the word which speaks to our hearts and speaks to our life. Uh, there is a scripture that I wanted to share with you found over here uh, in 2 Thessalonians. Just going to back up a little bit here. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and, and verse 9, he said, Here's the reason that you leave to live the word of God. Not because, he said, he was talking about the time that he lived before these people. And he talked about what he did and what he didn't do, the example that he was. He said, of all those things that we could have demanded of you, we didn't, not because we don't have the power or the right to do so, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. Here's why we live the word of truth, so we can lead somebody else to Jesus. And lead somebody else in how to walk. It might be our children. It might be our teenagers. It might be a neighbor that doesn't have a, a positive male influence or even a Christian influence of any kind in a household. It might be somebody you work with that's watching you so very, very closely. And don't tell me they don't, I know they do. 
Now, wherever you work, if you say, I'm a Christian, they're going to watch you. They're going to they want to know, how do you react when you have something that goes wrong on the job? When somebody gets up in your face, how do you react when trouble comes? They know how we act when everything's okay. But when trouble comes, how are we going to react during the time of that? And they'll watch. They want to know. When trouble comes to this person, are they still going to be that person that walks in faith? That walks like you ought to without changing course? Doing what they need to do, saying what they need to say, having the attitude that they have. We defend the truth by living it because we're an example of the gospel itself. Our life counts for or against God. We're going to be an influence. What kind of influence are we going to be? Are we going to be a godly influence or an ungodly influence? Where are we going to be and fall out and people are looking at our lives? Because, you know, everything we do has a ripple effect. Don't want a ripple effect is? If it's, you don't want a ripple effect is. You just lure out there and it's a ripple effect. You know, if it goes out in circles and it touches everything out there. Our life touches everything in other people's lives. It's not just that we live our life and, and it's, it's isolated and it's over here in a vacuum and it doesn't affect anybody. It affects everybody and everything around us. Are we going to be the kind of person that leads them to know Jesus or are we going to drive them away? Are we going to be a stumbling block that they're going to fall over because we messed up so badly in front of them? What is it going to be? Are we going to be a stepping stone or a stumbling? We might be a stepping stone if we will allow ourselves to be used to God and we'll follow where he wants us to be and defend the truth. You know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 that you're the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. It goes on to say, you're the light of the world. And then he goes on to say, salt preserves, but light removes darkness. Okay? Darkness. Darkness is where sin abides. Darkness is where evil exists. Darkness is always described as that which is against God, which has rejected God. You reject the light of the Lord, you walk in greater darkness. But when he says that we are light, he is saying as we live our life and defend the truth, we're we're light in the midst of the darkness of the sin of our world. People's hearts are in darkness, their minds are in darkness, their lives are lived in darkness. They need the light of Jesus. And we're salt of the earth because he is a preservative. When we live the truth, it preserves our life. And we live for the glory of God. His purpose is that we glorify Him. That's our purpose. Here's the thing. Are we serving God's purpose for our life? You warns Christians. Don't give in. He warns Christians. Stop me defend the truth. Absolutely defend it. We're to keep the word of God without change, without error, all through the years. But if we're going to do it, one thing we've got to be certain of. 
we must be absolutely certain that our faith is placed in Jesus Christ. Are you certain that your faith is placed in Jesus Christ? I mean absolutely certain. I'm not thinking, I'm not talking think so. I'm not talking hope so. I'm not talking me. I'm talking absolutely certain. No doubt. No doubt. Is your faith placed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If we're going to defend the truth of knowing it, supporting it, sharing it, believing it, we first must know that we're the children of God by grace and faith in Jesus. We must know that. So my invitation to you is make certain. Make certain. If you're not certain today, the invitation is open to you from God. Who says to you, come unto me all you that weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. All through the word of God, he said, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. I can't say, the deacons can't say, but God can. I grace to faith in Jesus. He said, you come to me believing and trusting and confessing Jesus. I'll forgive you. I'll save you. I invite you. We're not sure to come to I invite those of you who sit here and you say, Well, I know I'm lost. I can come because God's invited to come. Believing and trusting in Jesus. And I'm inviting those of you to come today who say, Well, I need to be a better influence. I need to be a better example. I need to really be defending the truth. And I've just been letting things go on. I hear things at work. I hear things my friends say that's not true. I hear people say things that's not true about the Word of God all the time. And I need to be defended. I'm inviting you to come under the leadership and call of the Holy Spirit. Come and trust in Jesus. Carry your heart and life over the Lord. Allow Him to make the changes that need to be changed. Just do what God tells you to do. Brother Randy comes to lead some of him with invitation. Would you stand?